We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. Welcome, everyone. I am here with a good friend, and we're continuing this conversation on leadership and success and what makes the successful people successful. What is success? What are the attributes of people that are considered great leaders? And, you know, as something you hear from me a lot is that if we got to be the smartest guy in the room, we better change rooms. And I like being in this room right here because then I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Uh, I have a guy who's become uh, more and more near and dear to me, even though we've known each other since we were little boys and have had the opportunity to reconnect and connecting more and more all the time. But this guy has really created an amazing enterprise in his industry. And so I'd like you to introduce you to Chris Vinson. And Chris, I'd, I'd like you just to start off a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you and your family and also the business that you've been able to create. Wow. Well, I can tell you a little bit to make my story um, maybe coming together is, is that I grew up in a small business. My mom and dad had a stereo store and as a kid loving music and uh, who, what kid doesn't love music? Um, it was my passion. And at fifth grade, my dad let me start to sell car stereos. And if you can just have a little bit of a visual, I couldn't reach the very top radio in this display. And so I had a stool and I couldn't sell radios until I passed my dad's test. And it was uh, not till very long where I realized that I love sales. But can you imagine selling car stereos since fifth grade? By the time I was a senior in high school, I'd talked to a lot of people. And that was good and bad. And I sometimes put myself in bad situations or took advantage. One of my favorite stories to share people was I had argued and fought with my parents to put me on commission. And one week later, I abused it. I overcharged a young man who came in on a Sunday not knowing what he paid. And the next Sunday, my dad was working with me and he came back. And I looked out in the parking lot and he had the speakers and amplifier and his receipt. And I go, uh-oh. And he walked in and my dad says, why are you returning this? He goes, I can buy it cheaper somewhere else. And he looked down and he saw who sold it to him. And he saw what I charged him. I was no longer on commission anymore. It was taken away. My parents sold that business. And I tried to do college. I really did, but it just wasn't for me. And I entered into the uh, car sales world. And my dad said, Chris, my parents sold that store. And, and I got into this selling cars for actually it was a friend. And his dad had this big, huge Chevrolet dealership. And my dad said, you're going to have to think smarter than every other salesman there. There's 70 salespeople in this dealership. Lots of competition, 600 cars sold a month. And all I cared about was driving the best demo. So I started to work the service drive and I surveyed all of the survey tickets every night of the night before. And I called them up and found out how well we did. 
and I asked them if they'd be interested in selling their car. I set my appointments and built my calendar. I'm 19, Nathan. I'm 19. They don't know I'm 19 on the phone. But I would set the appointment and I would sell those people cars. I met my wife, uh, Shalice, in uh, 94 or 93. We got married in 94 and I left to get into insurance. And there I became sidetracked. And I started chasing horses and spending more money than we had. And my wife knew nothing until that one day I came home and told her I had quit short of being fired and that we're gonna to have to sell everything. Now I'll never forget the porch that I did that on. I'll never forget that night. And I'll never forget how much I disappointed her. You see, she never knew. She never knew we were broke. She never knew she trusted me and I let her down. I picked myself back up and through a mentor and a banker, a gentleman came to me and said, have you ever thought about doing mortgage? And that day I started in mortgage. My dad said, don't do it. And I says, why dad? He's the only one really offering me a job. And he goes, the deal is when rates go up and rates go down, you have a problem. I go, what's that? He goes, you're the world's best spender and the world's best and the world's worst saver. When rates go up, it ain't going to go good. And you'll be right back into the same mess that you were. I wasn't allowed in a gas station for one year. I couldn't buy fountain pop. I couldn't buy a second vehicle until I could pay cash for it. And it was that tough time through my life is where I learned a lot of valuable lessons. Then later, my wife and I started our own mortgage company called Journey Mortgage. And it really was our journey of how we got there. My wife started at Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. I eventually got into mortgage. We worked together. Don't tell anyone, but she actually was a CEO, so she was my boss. And in the end of in the middle of OA, I knew that the world was going to change. I didn't know 09 was going to be 09. I just knew it was going to change. And I am definitely not smarter than anyone else because I had told you I didn't even go to college. I sold my mortgage company and partnered with a bank and closed December 31st of 2008. And I really truly then got a great partner. I got someone that allowed me to dream, create vision. And because of that, I got comfortable. And finally, about three or four years in, I had a five-year contract with them. I was stagnant. And I was going to quit. I was going to fulfill my duties and be done. But my guys came to me one day and said, we're going to this mortgage conference and we want you to come. And I said I would go and I sat in that room and I listened to this man basically out of everyone talk directly to me. Now, Tony Robbins was there. I didn't connect. There was a lot of other amazing speakers and there's nothing wrong with all those amazing men. And there was some women too that were really, really good. But it was this one particular guy 
that just like broke through. And he had a coaching group. And I walked to his booth and said, I need you. And he hired me. And that was that day that I started to get mentored. It was that day that the company truly started to change. That I understood that if I'm going to make it to the next level, I'm going to have to be a leader. I'm going to have to lead these people through storms that maybe I don't even know my way. But I'm going to trust it. I'm going to use my gut. And I'm going to remember all those things that my dad taught me since fifth grade. So today we got to grow that company. And we've had some pretty good success in the mortgage arena. But I contributed all to mistakes, to my journey. And I think we all get to a spot. We all get to where we are today through maybe some trials and through the hard times. And it seems like those hard times, I should take them for, I should celebrate when I have hard times because I always come out of a hard time better. But I just thinking hate them. I hate the pain that comes with them. And you asked me what makes a good leader. Yeah, let me let me let me pause you for a minute because I just I, I don't I won't want the listeners of this to miss this. First of all, so many huge gems there, and I even appreciate your journey so much more, even as I hear you tell it again, the way you just told it. You know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, you and I both being from South Dakota here. You know, one of my favorite animals is the buffalo. And one of the things that I'm featuring this conversation on is something I call the herd. And the thing about buffalo is that, the, you know, that makes them different from cattle is when the storms come in on the prairie, the cattle will see the storm and they'll turn away and run away from it. But it always gets them. Right. They try to avoid the pain, but the pain's coming. The mm -hmm. buffalo... They have the characteristic of facing the storms, knowing if they go and run into the storms, they're going to get through them faster. So when you just said facing the storms, mm -hmm. th that's the buffalo. Mm -hmm. And that's what little real great leaders do. And that's what I want to get you into now. So when you talk about your journey of what you just set us up with, and now talking about the storms of life, the storms of the next level, I think you use those words, the storms of success, however you define that, it takes leadership and leadership is what took you to the next level. Mm -hmm. So what are those key attributes of a great mm -hmm. leader from your perspective? I think that um, a great leader has to have good feel. And good feel is one of those things that is, is hard to teach. And you could call it intuition, uh, you could call it a lot of different things, but, um, you know, understanding your business enough to where you could put a calculated feel of how you're going to lead your team or yourself through whatever it is, I think feel is, is being in the weeds in your business en enough to where you can trust the team to be able to lead their parts, but you could direct the company to be able to go through it. And as I, as I learned, and I, and I didn't really truly grow until I started to trust. So the second one is, is trust. Trusting your team and giving them the duties to be able to, A, have a voice, but being able to listen. I told, I told our mortgage team the other day, I says, we're not good individually. We're only good together. 
And some of the best ideas is when we've sat down in a room and actually I shut up and I listen. So I think a great, a great leader needs to listen. A great leader has to have great feel. They have to understand and know their business enough to where they can make the right decision, to have the right vision and to see what's next. And finally, yeah, keep going. Lead by example. They're only going to be as good as you. I said to an employee the other day, I know you're bummed. I know you're disappointed, but I am not lowering the bar on you. I have the bar set high for you. You can lower your bar, but I won't because I believe in you and I trust you and you can do it. And I think a great leader sometimes, it's scary to trust an employee, but without it, they'll never grow and either will you. Okay, so let me pull apart some of that because I, I love it and I've done so many of these interviews with great leaders just like yourself. But that's why I love hearing the authenticity and vulnerability that comes out in these very organic conversations because good feel. I, I can't agree with you enough. And I've not heard that before. So where does good feel come from? I think feel comes from experience. I think feel comes from trials. Um, you know, uh, a good scientist learns from mistakes and I think feel comes from a lot of my mistakes. You know, there was a lot of trials and I tried this and it didn't work. Well, I could get myself down on that, but I could say, you know what? It didn't work. Try another way. And, um, feel and setting the temperature of your room, feel and understanding your employees and where they're at. You know, uh, one of my new quotes of the week was, we can't be good if we have a toothache. And sometimes we need to understand what our employees' toothache is. And you need to have a good enough feel to see it and recognize it. Love and it. also, go ahead. No. Your company can't be good if, you, if your company has a toothache. Right. I, I love one that quote. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's so good. But so simple is, and is it brilliance in brevity? Mm. So good. Okay. So here's what I wrote down also. Number two. So good feel. Number one attribute that mm -hmm. Chris has shared and given us today. Uh, number two, trust. This is what I heard. Trust equals growth, mm. which allows that, that trust allows those people around you a voice. And you're only as good as what you are collectively, not just one human being. That's what I heard. Trust equals growth. And if we want to see the most growth, we got to trust each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And then in order for that to take place, the third attribute is a great leader listens. I think this is the biggest thing that for me that I've had to learn as well. And it's good to hear you say it and validate it even more. It's we have a tendency to not humble ourselves to shut our mouths. Cause in the listening is where we can start to process better. 
Um, yeah, this I just did the this uh, year planning for next year. And I normally do four rocks. And maybe you guys do traction as well. Um, I don't do it exactly one particular way. I do it my way. I don't know if my way is the right way, but I like I, I like it. We have good results with it. So we just wash and repeat. But this year I wanted to do it different. I gave them three rocks and then I left one blank. And I said, you guys decide it. The hardest thing for me to do was to sit there and listen. And even though they, in some paths they were leading down were wrong, I couldn't say anything. And guess what, Nathan? They came up with the most amazing rock that I wouldn't have thought of. They 100% bought in, and it was their idea. Did that build my trust? Did that give me good feel? And, the, and I passed the test of listening. And I think because of that, we'll be a better company. Yeah, so, okay, listen to what you just said. And I, this, this is amazing. What you did with giving them those four rocks and the one they get to decide on, didn't you just also exemplify the fourth aspect here is lead by example. You trusted them to have the conversation. You trusted them to come up with that rock. You sat there and listened, which both of those probably helped them empower them and equip them, empower and equip to have better feel themselves which allows them to make better decisions in the future. Mm -hmm. So I love how you just wrap that all together. I mean, it's a great lesson that we can all learn from. Yeah, it was a good lesson I learned. Yeah. Okay, so as we close this conversation, Chris, give me some people that have been very instrumental in your life, whether you knew know them personally. I mean, obviously, I wrote down this. I mean, listening to your journey, mentors have been very important the ability to be coached on a regular basis. You never really truly arrive. I heard that. Um, who are those people? Mm. Or whether you, they're in your life now, have been in your life. Talk, talk to me about some of those people. Yeah, I would say the first is really was my dad. Um, I lost him. Um, I lost him, but I, I said everything at this funeral. I said, we didn't lose him. We were given a great man. And, uh, you know, he taught me the value of a customer. He taught me the value of a referral. He taught me the ability to be able to ask, which a lot of people struggle with ask. And he taught me the ability to be able to compete with yourself. He did, he did things that got his customers to help him to, to compete. And he, he became quickly one of the number one insurance agents with American family in, in the state of South Dakota. And uh, he had bumps. You know, he had made decisions with business. He made a decision to come to South Dakota that didn't go his way and then went back to work for American family. And I really learned from him. He was tough. He could adapt. He could pick himself back up. And so to tie that together to one of my examples was, he led by example. Now, the next one was my coach, is my coach. If you don't have a coach, get a coach. You'll never get to the next level. Why does Tiger Woods have a coach and you don't? I think Rick Ruby was one, that coach for me. Let me tell you the biggest thing I struggled with. 
I don't like to be told what to do. And it was hard for me to submit. It was hard for me. It was, it was just hard. But once I did, I saw the growth. And I, I would say he was number two. And number three has really been my wife. She sees things in faster into me that she's like, I don't think you should do that. I don't know if that's the best decision. And almost every time at the end, she's right. It makes me mad. But she's right. And I would say those are three great mentors in my life that have made a big difference. And I, I have the pleasure of knowing your wife. And I thought it was very fitting that she was the CEO one time and you were working for her. And right. you still are, my friend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, I love it. So as we close this, if you could just, just anything just as we part the conversation, somebody who's aspiring to be a better leader, you've given us four great attributes of a good feel, trust, listen, lead by example. You've shared some examples of those people that have been meant something to you or you in your life. Where do you tell people to start digging in? Where do you, where do you have them start? Yeah. First of all, let's just, Let's just get the elephant out of the room. The hardest part is to start. Um, I think uh, you're really good at feeding your brain with podcasts and books. I'm better at podcasts uh, than books, but starting to feed yourself. Find a coach that can hold you accountable. I, don't, I think leadership starts with holding yourself accountable and the rest will follow. And uh, that was probably another lesson. It's probably worth another call that accountability is a, is a big part of the recipe. And find, lastly, find a mentor or someone that you can trust to hold you accountable to be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish. I want to tell you something. Mm -hmm. If you don't think you have that ability, you weren't given it, you can learn it. I, I call myself a human Xerox machine. I literally forced myself to learn it. And I'm sure everyone listening today thinks that maybe there's something that you couldn't do or I can't do that. You can do it. You just go learn it. And the big secret of leadership is implement. And I love it. Nike said it the best, right, Nathan? Just do it. I love it. I love it. So thank you so much for the conversation. And I think what you just heard Chris say there is information is not transformation. Mm. Transformation is implementation. So go get the information from the people who have it, right? Mm -hmm. Start to implement it and you'll see a transfer transformation. And, and again, you heard Chris today, everything you want is on the other side of heart. And everything's worth it. The relationships, your business, you know, so I just, I hope that you'll take what he said today. You'll go make, take the notes that you made and start to implement just as he's given us in this, in this discussion. So Chris, thank you so much. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com.